Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz going to break down the 2021 PGA Championship. Our guy, Phil Mickelson, 50 years young, gets the job done, Sleaze. I mean, dude, I don't know that I've ever been more exhausted after just watching a golf tournament. That thing was a roller coaster starting on Saturday all the way until the final putt dropped on Sunday. There were times where I thought, Phil, I was pretty sure he was going to have a six-shot lead at one point, and I was like, God, he might just run away and hide from everyone. This might be a snooze fest. And then fast forward two or three holes later, I was like, well, now he's blowing it, and he might not even be within three by the end of the day on Saturday. And it was just back and forth. I mean, you couldn't have a more – vintage Phil weekend than we got from him. You saw some unbelievable golf where he looked flawless, unbeatable, and somewhere you're like, oh, my God, this thing's getting out of hand. But it was one of the most fun major championships I've watched in a long time, maybe maybe 2019 Tiger type stuff. Masters. It was so cool to watch. It was so cool to be there. I was behind the 18th green when he was finishing up, got to give him a hug as he walked off the 18th green. What a cool moment. I mean, something I don't think other than Phil – and maybe some of his team, I don't think we thought this day was going to come. I mean, he has had no form when he's played on the PGA Tour. He's done great on the PGA Tour champions. But to go out in a major championship, 99 of the top 100 in the world, at a place like Kiowa Island, the ocean course, which in my mind didn't set up that great for him, he goes out and puts on an unbelievable performance. Yeah, like you said, I don't think anyone outside of Phil's camp was looking at Phil and being like, yep, this is the week. But, I mean – Talking with some of the players, they, they said, like, you could see some little glimpses here and there. We saw a little bit at Quail Hollow where he came out there with the opening round, you know, lead there. And there was some good golf. But even going into the weekend, Colt, like, I don't know what you thought. I was like, all right, he's leading. He's tied for the lead. This is really cool. At least he's going to be here. We're going to get Phil on a weekend in contention at the major. But I was like, you're almost just waiting for that one bad swing or that one bad run or something disastrous to happen. You just never know with Phil what you're going to get. And then he comes out on Saturday, puts that four under on the board on the front nine where he looked perfect, birdie 10. And that's that was the point of the tournament where I was like, on 11, I was like, he has a chance to go to six here. This is this is crazy. I was always like throughout the throughout the weekend kind of like, when is this going to turn? When's Phil going to do some Phil stuff? And he never did. I was rooting for him the entire time. But there's just no sure things with him out there, especially on that golf course. I mean, you were out there, dude. How good did they do with that place being that they made it – it was really tough. It was really hard. But they didn't cross that line like we've seen sometimes with the USGA to where it got weird and it, it just got unfair. No, it was awesome. Kerry Haig is um, arguably the best in the business at setting up golf courses. Did an unbelievable job. Yeah, it was extremely hard. I mean, the, the wins three of the four days were brutal. But they set it up fair where if you played well, you got rewarded. If you didn't, you got punished. And, I mean, look at the end of the day. I mean, you got to – if you look at the leaderboard, I think Harry Higgs was the only guy in the top five that was under 30 years old, which is pretty impressive because that's a place you had to really think your way around, really be patient, and the maturity – you know, of these of these veterans paid off. Yeah, it's not a place where you can just attack, attack, attack like you can a lot of times on the PJ Tour. Like Podrick Harrington came out and had a, had a great week that week. It was nice to see Ricky Fowler, you know, kind of with a quiet top 10 there, but he was in fourth going into his 72nd hole. He had a good week. It was fun. But how about the scene on, dude, you were down there. That scene on 18, I mean, that was a shit show. It was fun to watch. I love when the gallery, like you see it at the US Open when they come up and they follow the players, but like, Clearly, the security people at Kiowa weren't expecting either that many people or that many people that quickly because they could not, they couldn't get their hands around it. I mean, Phil, after he had his second shot on 18, had to like fight his way through the crowd. Dudes were jumping all over him like he just did a keg stand at the Lambda Kai house. It was, it was nuts. It was, it was cool to see. I felt bad for Brooks Kepka because that tournament wasn't over. I mean, it was two shots. If, if Brooks happens, I mean, he could have hold his wedge. You know, he makes birdie, then you make Phil have to two putt to get the victory. 
it got a little out of hand, but at the end of the day, with with Phil winning, it was so cool to see that that scene, that atmosphere. I mean, just emerge from the crowd. I had an incredible video of it from behind the green, where it's just this huge wall of people, and then all of a sudden, here comes Phil, the champ, through the middle of the gallery, thumb up in the air. So cool to see. Was so happy for him. I mean, it was an emotional win, and it's going to go down as one of the greatest performances in in golf history, maybe in sports history. Being 50 years old to beat one of the best fields you'll ever play against. Yeah, dude, those thumbs of his got to be on life support after this week. I mean, he was wearing those things out. And I feel like even in that moment in 18 when Phil was having to work his way through the crowd, guys were jumping on him. It was like he, it wasn't done, like you said. Like it feels done to us. It might appear done after that second shot. But like as a player, it ain't done till the final putt drops. And you could tell like I don't think he was all the way enjoying that moment. You know, it was just kind of like I still got work to do. And then afterwards when it all erupted, I was like this. He's done a lot of cool stuff in the game of golf. I, I, I think when it's all said and done, when he puts the clubs away and he's not playing anymore, he looks back on, on that moment, on that 18th green to do it at the age of 50 and, and accomplish what he accomplished pretty much out of the blue. And with that environment might be like his one of his, if not the best, one of his favorite memories of his entire career. Yeah, hats off to Phil Mickelson on his sixth major championship. Can't wait to have you on Golf Subpar and learn even more about the great Phil Mickelson. Because he asked me, when are we going to have him on? I said, Phil, the floor is yours. You tell me, we will be in Rancho Santa Fe, wherever the hell you want us. We will be there. We might, it might take two days to film this whole thing, but we will get it done. We'll give him every minute. He wants to go three hours Joe Rogan style. We could talk about aliens, cryptocurrency, whatever kind of weird shit he wants to talk about. We'll get into all of it with him. We'll fly to Juneau, Alaska to meet him, but we got to get him. We're going to get him. This may have delayed that a little bit. He's going to have a few media obligations right now, but uh, we, we got to make sure we get out there and get Philly. Um, but damn, man, what a win. What a, I mean, that was that was cool to watch, and it had everything you want in terms of uh, entertainment and emotion that entire weekend. That's a tough one to top. We're not going to see a major like that for a long time. Right? It's going to take something All special. Right. Well, this week's episode is going to be tough to top. We have two beauties joining us. We did our first combo episode. We got two guys sitting down for one interview. We got Gino Benelli, caddy for Joel Damon, and Aaron Fleener, caddy for JT Poston. Two of the biggest personalities out there, and they did not disappoint. Two dudes, one show. This was a fun one. We've been looking to get some caddies on for a while. No one better than these two guys. Two of the best guys on social media, two of the best personalities. And we had a little bit of everything. We get into the caddy life. We get into um, some of the players, other caddies out there. This was a fun one. Just some fellas kicking back, having a couple brews, getting amongst it a little bit, and, and talking shop. This was fun. We'll have to run this back uh, at some point with a couple other guys, too, because there's a lot of good ones out there. No doubt. And I do want to say, if you're watching this on video, you might notice I'm texting some stuff during the show. I was kind of putting out a small little fire because, you know, we got multiple job sleeves and something happened. It's all good now. We're great. But just don't think that I wasn't focused on the job. I was just doing two things at once. We're talented. We can handle that. That was not his Tinder no profile. He wasn't swiping right or swiping left or whatever nope. you do. That was official business that we had to be handling out there. But, uh, yeah, dude, these guys were a blast. I think they enjoyed themselves, too. And like I said, this, was a, this is a good format with two caddies that can kind of cut loose a little bit. Don't have the brands to worry about that maybe some of the players do. And we'll have to run this back. But it's going to be tough to beat these two. They're two of the best. All right, here they are. Gino Benelli, Aaron Fleener on Golf Subpar. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Special moment here on Golf Subpar. Our first ever joint interview. And who more worthy than these two men we have with us? The brains behind the greatness of JT Poston and Joel Damon. Their esteemed caddies, Aaron Fleener and Gino Benelli. Boys, 
Let's talk some shit about your bosses. You ready? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's bash them. This is your time. Here we go. Unload. I tell you what, I was I was so excited for this episode. I mean, I think our listeners and viewers out there might not know your faces, but at the end of this hour, they are gonna love you guys. So thank y'all so much for joining we us. We do have great faces. You do. You're yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Mine's more of a radio face, but cleaner though. Don't awesome. sell yourself short. Well, let's, let's get right into it, because obviously you're, you're caddies for two of the best players in the world. How did you even begin to stoop to the level of caddying? Man, are you st- starting with me here, I suppose? We'll go with Fleener, because Fleener's, I know, stories. Gino very sent an email. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, you know, luckily knew somebody was really good at golf, which is the easiest way to get into caddying, probably. Uh, I'm a good friend, Kent Bull. Uh, 2015 asked me to come caddy for him on the Latin American PGA Tour. Mm. and uh, Started at the top, now we're here. So <laughs> I, I quit my job and went with him. And uh, he played really well down there and uh, got us to the web tour. And then uh, he let me go after half a year out there and got picked up by Steven Yeager. And he played well and got us to the big tour. And then he let me go after about half a season. And then JT picked me up. So and you, and you um, get yourself a PJ Tour win at the Wyndham Championship. Yes, things sir. happen pretty unbelievable for you. I mean, we'll get to you yeah. Know, we'll I, mean, I mean, you go I'm from not lucky. much, not a whole lot of ex- rough yeah. go, not a whole lot of experience caddying. Yeah. You actually carried the bag for me on the Corn Ferry Tour in Chattanooga. You taught me really everything I know. I did. I taught you that when it says it's 27 and four, that doesn't mean it's four on and 27 from the left. <laughs> so that was That's a big thing. That didn't happen. That's I, I gave Colt a number and he said, nope, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> he said he wanted to do his numbers with me. So I said, sure, go on. And I, I got to it. I said, I got 124. What do you, or I got like 110, 134. He's like, well, I got like 110. 114. I'm like, how is that possible? He's like, well, it's four on and 27 from the left. I'm like, no, bud. It's never been 27 from the left. She's turned yeah. at a 90 degree angle. Yeah. But we had a blast. But I mean, so you start catting. You get on, you go down there. Your guy gets to the Corn Ferry Tour. You're a part of a 58 with right. Steven Yeager. Yeah, fourth week on the back. Yeah, hello. This game looks pretty easy. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I was very fortunate. I mean, y'all won t- twice. Uh, we won three times. We won once the first the first what year. Happened? I caddy and then twice the next year. And your so. poor, poor friend Matt Irwin's out there just grinding away for years, never unscrewed a flag <laughs> stick, and here you come and just start – you started carrying a pair of pliers around. Yeah, I don't even have enough room for them. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to buy a new house. That's it. <laughs> and, Gino, you might have the award for most understanding wife in the world. You took a bit of a leap of faith going with your boy Joel. That's Talk a Talk about fact. how that uh, came to be. So we were on vacation, our family vacation, and Joel uh, was leading the money list on the McKenzie Tour, which got an – Got him a sponsor invite in the Canadian Open one year when he was still on that tour. And he went out after the first couple of days and was like in fourth place. And I was like, Holly, he's guaranteed the web.com or Corn Ferry now next year. And obviously he can play. I mean, I've known Joel could play forever, but I was like, I want to caddy for him. I want to quit my job. So we, I started talking about it with my wife much before I even brought it up to Joel. And because I knew if I talked to Joel about it, he would probably let me do it. So I had to convince the wife. So I sweet talked her for a while and uh, I wrote Joel like this long email that uh, it's out there somewhere. But uh, once he won the money list and I don't know why he agreed to have me do it, but he did. And but I mean, that's just such a, that's a, such a big jump for you. Like, I mean, here you're going to caddy. Not, you're not on the PJ tour. You're going to the Corn Ferry yeah. tour where salaries aren't that big. Purses aren't that big. 
No, I knew uh, if I was going to get to the PGA Tour with Joel, though, I had to put in some time elsewhere. I couldn't just be like, yeah, let me be a PGA Tour caddy. So I had to go put in my time for a couple was years it, out there with him. Was it more that you wanted to caddy for Joel or you just wanted to quit your job? It was more. both. I mean, my job was comfortable, right? I had my routine. I didn't mind my job. I made okay money. I could play golf on the weekends. Like, it was fine. But I wanted to caddy for Joel. And I knew... He would be where he is. What's more fun? A good what, guy. Yeah. What's more fun, caddying for Joel or being the mascot at your college? <laughs> caddying for Joel definitely being the mascot. Can we please? This one requires <laughs> more cheerleading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell I, us a little bit about that though. That was it was a volunteer position. So there was another guy in my fraternity that had done it for a couple years, and he was graduating. And he just asked me one day, I think we were having some beers. He's like, do you want to... What, what school? What school? University of Idaho, sorry. I don't have my yardage book cover on me. But uh, yeah, so I was Joe Vandal for a year. <laughs> and there's, there's no training that goes into it. He's like, all right, uh, the suit's kept in this locker. Go to this address, go down, put it on, and go nuts. So Every like, sport, yeah, there's no training. Uh, I, did, I, did, I did basketball and football uh, ah. for a year. And... Football was bad because the team was bad, and then we've got like six people in the stands, and it's a thousand degrees in the soup. So I got one quick. Well, I got a couple stories, but I'll make this one quick. The uh, the head that I wore it harnessed in three spots. I had like two buckles here, and then one on the back, and the head was so big I couldn't reach the top of it. Um, so it's not exactly sturdy on my body, and. Uh, this male cheerleader comes out to me just before halftime of a basketball game. And he goes, hey, you're going to dunk at halftime. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> dunk perfect. without this suit on. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And he goes, no, I'm going to get on all fours. You're going to jump off my back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay, I mean, okay. I mean, I'll try. Um, so the way the suit was set up, I looked out of Joel, uh, Joe's mouth. So they hand me this basketball. I walked to half court. In basketball, there was a few more people in attendance because it was fun to go to basketball games. So I can, I'm peering through the mouth hole of Joe here. I see the male cheerleader on all fours. And I take off running, and the head's like flopping around. <laughs> and I'm losing sight of where I'm going. And so I'm trying to hold it and hold the basketball in my hand. And I kind of step on his back. And I, don't, I didn't even touch the rim with the basketball. <laughs> and, the word, and so I made an ass of myself and I'm like oh I'm, well I'm glad it's over and then the announcer gets on the PA is like let's see him try it again <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. no I got rim checked the second time though I felt pretty good yeah. about it yeah that's, that's incredible that's nice. this is Gino Benelli by the way for yeah. you ladies I, out there I was just pray, praying no one knew it was me in there but uh, people would always drunk people would come up to me there was a little nine volt battery operated fan that's inside the head to try help you keep you cool there was no cover on it so people would sock me in the <laughs> face and then the fan would hit me in the mouth and I could feel my lips bleeding but you couldn't do anything about it because the head is like strapped on me I'm just like Caddy's oh. easy uh, yeah I would have lasted 20 worst. minutes in that suit and been like life I'm of so, a mascot not as yeah. glamorous as it may seem the, the way I the way it all came to an end was this guy came up to me at halftime of the final home game and was like hey man I was Joe a few years back I really want to do it one more time before I graduate I'm like done you take it so back, we go behind the stands at halftime and I strip out of this thing I had basketball shorts and a t-shirt underneath I'm like here you go see ya and I just left 
Well, it turns out he was a little intoxicated, and he ran behind the opposing team's bench and like starts slapping guys in the head. <laughs> and everybody thinks it's you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the guy called me. He's like, you're fired. I'm like, you didn't pay me anyways. Who cares? Yeah. I quit at halftime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who cares? So well, that later, was up. I mean, obviously incredible mascot. You're an incredible singer. You got the voice of an angel. So I've been told. Yes. And I, at some point, we know you're going to give us – Bust out some lyrics. You're not scared of a karaoke bar. What, at what age did you know you were a pretty damn good singer? It really wasn't until I was in college and uh, I was pledging this fraternity I was in and they were like, had us singing some song. And one of the guys was like, wait, you can actually sing a little bit. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then I ran with it yeah. after that. Now you I can mean, one compliment later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. He gave me an itch. Next, now, you know, I'm singing songs about Augusta. and whatever. That turned out so good, by the way. That yeah. was incredible. That, you did. That song about JT Poston. Yeah. What, Luke Combs, what was the song? Uh... Oh my, we both just drew a blank on this. Better Together. This, Better is, this together. is your hit single, dude. You yeah. know the name of your hit single? Better Together. What? I can't even listen to that song anymore. because No, I, I all I hear is your lyrics. Yeah. Well, we know Colin Baton Rouge is obviously your go-to karaoke. Yeah. Is there any others you specialize in? Yeah, I mean, I can I do Little Rumor by Lee Bryce. Uh, you know, I can do some do Luke Combs. I'll do whatever. Do you want to you give us some of your specialty? Little Colin Baton Rouge? Mm-hmm. Do you need a do you need Oof. a beat or we? You need another couple beers. I don't need a beat. Well, acapella, acapella let's go. I'll Here's do Aaron Fleener. I'll do the end because the end's the best. Yeah. Okay. Aaron bring Fleener. Bring us home. So Garth, excited right now. Garth, bring us home. Always, I'll, right now. <laughs> always do the start of it. I'll do the end. Okay. So. Okay. Hello, Samantha dear. I hope you're feeling fine. And it won't be long until I'm with you all the time. But until then, I spend my money up right down to my last dime. Oh, no. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we cut that? Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, I bet y'all cut that. Oh, I always run out of air right there. I'm about to throw my panties on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think all. I've ever heard you do Lee Bryce Rumor. I might need a little piece of yeah. that. How uh, does it start? I always have the words when I sing it. Going round. Yeah. Now, why don't you go, Colt? No, I don't know. Uh, I just yeah, know the words. Like I don't you know. Knew it. If I could just know the first two words, I could get it going. On it. Let me yeah. caddy up. <laughs> yeah, Gino, get it. All right, question for you. Since you're an aspiring singer, better chance of happening, Fleener getting a record deal or Rory reconsidering Gino's offer to be a caddy? Which happens first? I think I would get a record deal <laughs> yeah, before Gino a caddy for Rory. Have you heard from Rory since the uh, No, in the fact, email? That so, was an incredible email, dude. I appreciate that. And so what happened was uh, – there you go, Fleener. Yeah, check that out. Um, we got paired with him at Torrey Pines like the next year after, and Rory introduced himself, and we're walking down the first hole there at Torrey, and Joel goes, hey, Rory, I got to ask you, did you ever see Gino's email? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, you got to read this letter. He's like, okay. And I was like, I'll print it for you, and I'll give it to you at the next event we both play, which happened to be Bay Hill. So I like took the time, I went through and I, th- I kind of edited it and cleaned it up because I didn't realize the first one was going to blow up. So there was probably some grammatical stuff that needed fixed. So f- fixed that. I put it in his locker, said, thanks, Rory, and l- left it at that. And then the next time we saw him again, I'm like, Rory, did you get my letter? He's like, your letter? I'm like, I taped it to your locker. And he goes, oh, yeah, I got it. And I go, and? Did you read it? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Damn so, it! But for everyone at home, like he yeah. was, him and JP 
had split. Yep. So he was kind of looking for a new caddy, and you decided to reach out. Oh yeah. First off, how'd you get his email? Well, I I was uh, I was strictly Twitter. Okay. I was I just fit it to a screenshot, yeah. and I just said at Rory McIlroy. Do you remember a few of the highlights of yeah, it? Yeah, some of your strengths that you had. Oh man, my bunker raking is a is a very good strength. I'm very punctual, and I really focused on that. You know, like to the airport uh, where I was actually typing it in the airport and I was way too early. The airport wasn't even open yet and I'm sitting there like waiting for it to open. So I kind of focused on how I'm always over prepared and always on time. And I'm I think, didn't you say something about your archery background? Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, inside, right. so Joel, it's really funny cause from like 65 yards and in, I'm pretty good at just being like, it's 57 yards without having to step anything off and um, so most of the time when we get kind of that range he's like how far we got and he just goes with it yeah. <laughs> that's the least surprising thing ever with joel he's got some of these weird nuances because he he's come on our show i've known him for a long time playing the jickies in canada and all that type of stuff and he'll have these like I got the eight iron yips, and he won't hit an eight iron, even if it's the perfect distance. Right? Punch, punch Dude, out yips. I, got the punch punch out out yips. <laughs> I can't punch out. There's, for the life of me, I can't punch out. What's, is it hard to keep up with all his like, shit that's it going changes. on? It like, changes. What are we doing this week, dude? This, is this no driver week? Or you, you know? <laughs> no, this week, uh, no, it's actually been pretty good for the last year or two. For, uh, for a while there, the first couple years on tour, it was every week was something brand new, some sort of yips or thing he had to do. I'm like, man, this guy's... Lunatic. I mean, he's really good, but he's also in Memphis. Do you remember when they flipped the fake coin to decide what club he was going to hit on that par three on eleven? Oh, well, tell us the story. Yeah, let's hear. So it. Let's see. Uh, was that eleven in Memphis? Yeah. So we're yeah we're kind of going back and forth, and this is a WGC event, and uh, I think I was on nine and he was on eight. It was really you know try to hit one hard or take six off of one or whatever, and he goes, all right, let's do this, and he goes. There's nothing there, and he just grabs the other club from me and hits it to like this. Yeah. Like I don't even know what just happened, but it was it was amazing. I'm going go with hard. I got the knockdown yips right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's unbelievable. He he's uh, he's a special human, that's for sure. Planer, give me in your in your time caddying maybe the best call you've made, and possibly the worst. I'm gonna do this with both of you, but Planer, go first. The best. Uh, I'll go with the worst first. <laughs> we were uh, I was working for JT. We were in Dallas uh, playing at Trinity Force, and we were coming down like the last four holes or something. We're like right around the cut line. We need. We probably need a birdie. So we're on uh, 15. Hit a good drive in the fairway. I get this number. Give it to him. Whatever. He stripes this shot. At, the, at this back right flag. I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. That's good. It's, we're going to make birdie. It comes up <laughs> 10 yards short of the green. He's like, man, he looked at me. He's like, I hit that good, you know? And I was like, oops. <laughs> I was like, That's the yeah. Worst. Uh, I was like, I did that off the last green because it was a par five and we didn't, I didn't do a number because he hit it down by the green. I didn't exit didn't turn off. The page. And uh, so, yeah. Thank goodness he got it up and down. He had like eight feet for par, and I've like never been so nervous over one of his spots. We missed a cut. We missed a cut. Cost him some money, but whatever. Yeah. Is there one where like he was leaning one way and you talked him out of something? Yeah, I mean, that happens sometimes. And to his credit, you know, whenever that happens, he'll be like, hey, that was a good call right there. Yeah. You know? I thought you were going to say all 72 holes at Wyndham. Uh, man, that was just trying to stay out of the way that week. He was on fire. Uh, you know, no bogeys. Um, 
trying to think if there was anything. He called me afterwards. He goes, he goes. You seen any bogeys around where you are? I haven't been able to find any this week. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody find any bogeys? Seventy-two yeah. holes bogey free. That's looking. unbelievable. Yeah, he, I mean, he hit it so good on that Sunday. I didn't have to do anything. I what mean, was easier, catting for him that week or Jaeger's fifty-eight? Oh, they were both super easy because I mean I was only four weeks in with Jaeger and I, I mean I wasn't doing I was stepping off numbers and that was about it. Fifty-eight, that good? And like, <laughs> I, I, you know, after like twelve holes, I'm like. He's like 11 under or something like that. And, like, so we get to this hole where you shouldn't go at the pin. You should hit it, like, 15 feet left. So I'm, like, telling him, hey, yeah, let's keep it just left of that. He hits it. I look up. It's flying right at it. Goes to, like, this. I was like, I'm just going to shut up. Like, I'm just going <laughs> yeah, to agree with everything. <laughs> get out of the yeah. way here. So, yeah. I mean, that was an easy day. That was an easy week. I mean, he shot 30 under that week. That'll yeah. do it. That's fine. 58, 65, 64, 63. Yeah, that'll that'll get you some chicken. What about you? Know, you got any stand out? Well, so, yeah, a couple. Um, you want bad or good first? Let's go bad. Well, I, I want to hear what you think's bad because I did talk to your boss about this. So Oh, really? I'm interested I'm, to see Oh, if, man, if I'm really curious. Um, I don't know if it was – in my head, I still, I still support what I allowed him to do. On this, but uh, it was during the web finals, our, trying to get our PGA Tour card back. Is this the same one he said? No. Okay, so it, uh, we needed a sixth place finish uh, in Cleveland. I forget the name of the golf course. Canter Canterbury, maybe? Yeah. Um, and we're leading through 54 holes, and sixth place gets us our card back. And just don't do anything dumb on Sunday, and we're probably going back to the PGA Tour. So number eight is this hole. It's straight away. OB left, trees right. It's fairly simple. You need to hit hybrid seven iron, whatever. But he struggled with the tee ball all week, losing it in the right trees. And we get up there to the tee, and he's like, don't let me hit. All week or leading up to it, he's like, don't let me hit driver on Sunday on this hole. I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, we get there, and you're not hitting driver. He's like, I'm hitting driver. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, I'm hitting. I'm. He told me not to let you. He's like, but I'm, it's what I'm comfortable with. I'm going to do it. Hits it in the right trees. We get up there, and he actually had a pretty decent, like, punch through window to chase one up toward the front of the green. But the rough is heavy, and the branches, you got to keep it under, like, 8 to 10 feet. Punch out yips, too. <laughs> yeah, you and, right? punch out yips. So, uh, we're going back, and I'm like, I, you know, we had talked about, if you get in trouble, get it back in the fairway. And I, sh I, I thought he could hit the shot. So... I said, you know, I really think you can keep one under these branches and get it on up around the front of the green. He goes, I do too. So, and we'd done a good job of chipping out all week, but that one we took on, and it was one of those ones you lean on a little bit and then totally de-loft, and the ball doesn't come out of the rough at all, and it just rolls like eight yards. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Boy. Here we go. This is a problem. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, we have, now it's in a worse spot and a worse lie, and we have to chip it out and chip it out and he's chirping at me he's like you're supposed to make me a hybrid you're supposed to make me chip it out and i'm like oh god you know i mean you're right i'm sorry but i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know oh, what yeah. else to say yeah, yeah uh you're... so he's he's on me and then hits the next one over the green and doesn't get up and down makes double and he's he's on me after every shot and this is the this is the first and only time we've ever had a 
Like really, but it, one time, one time. Wow. So is that the case with you and yeah, your caddies? Yeah, that is incredible. So, one time a day. <laughs> well, I I hope I ended it properly. I don't know. We haven't fought since. So uh, he makes double, and he's still like, I can't believe he didn't make me chip out there. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wear it to a point, but you need to play some golf. I'm sorry. Like, let's go. And then after he gets the ball out of the hole and goes to throw it to me, throws it over my head into a bunker. I'm like. That's fun. Let me go rake this bunker. So I get down there and I get the ball out and I get it cleaned again and I give it to him and he goes, I got a monkey working for me today. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm losing it. Yeah, and I turned around and I grabbed him by his shirt and I put a finger in his face and I was like, if I didn't think you can hit a ball in the air, I wouldn't have let you hit the shot. And like, we got into it on the tee box and immediately after I felt Okay, no, I've never really told this story before. <laughs> and, uh, Am I getting in trouble? Yeah, sorry, Joel. Uh, so, what, what did he do when was, you grabbed him? Yeah, his eyes go? were just like, oh my god, oh my gosh. Him down. So, and then I, as, as soon as I got it out, I was okay. And then I was like, all right, you got wind in off the left. You got two ninety into that bunker. You know, this is a target. And he hits one like miles left and kind of chops it around and ends up making a par in the ninth hole. It's a par five and. Uh, we're walking off the tee box, and he goes, dude, I'm so sorry about eight back there. I was like, don't worry about it. We're fine. Like, I felt better. I really did. And then we get back in. And like, he climbed all the way back into the lead again and did the same thing on 18. We make a double. and But we get done, and we look up, and we finish sixth, which was good enough to get the tour cards. Doubled 18 to finish Doubled sixth. 18 wow. to finish sixth. Whoa, Nelly. And Cap in six? It was. It was an easy <laughs> double. Yeah. And, Love an easy double. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of emotional from both of us because, you know, getting back to the tour is a huge yeah. deal. Yeah. And there was a lot of pressure on him, of course. And I don't, I mean, I understand what he's going through. And I wasn't, I was trying to help. I thought we could make a par maybe by punching one up to the front. So that was probably, that was the biggest interaction and fault. I think Joel obviously has a different answer. Um, I, well, he told me there was an example. Uh, there was one on the corn, now Corn Ferry Tour where y'all might have showed up to the first tee with only 10 clubs in the back. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> That's a fantastic <laughs> just, story. Just four short. Yeah. We get to like number two or three, and I was like 125, you know, 115, 125 is perfect gap wedge. And he goes, where's gap wedge? I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't warm up that morning. No, you didn't know what no there was no warm up. It was uh, we went. We had a late tea time that day, and he goes, "You want to grab lunch on the way to the course?" I'm like, "Sure." And he's like, "Do you want a gin and tonic at lunch?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> so I'm like, "That's a good boss." We man, gotta get going here. He's like, we shot like 78 in the first round, so it was kind of one of those who cares. We get to the course, pulled the clubs out of the trunk, and what happened was a few of them stuck on something, mm. pulling them out. <laughs> And we walked straight to the tee, and I didn't notice or count them or anything like that. And then, so he goes, okay, I guess I'll chip the pitching wedge. And he goes, where's the pitching wedge? <laughs> I was like, I don't know the answer to that one either. Boss, I think so, it's a little eight. Yeah. It feels like a little eight. So we had that number two holes in a row. That, it didn't matter. That's oh, incredible. that's beautiful. Ten, this bag was light. Yeah. Which one did he give you? No, that one. Oh. But, yeah. He gave me one at Riv. Uh, 
Was it a good one? Or, can no, we focus it, on some good was, things? There was I've a done? bad. This was. I only asked for bad. I think, but it was a oh. red. Like you had like a sixty. I think it was number eight, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was this you year. Subtracted instead. Of I did. That that's the, that's the worst. Down, I mean, we needed to go like three under in our last ten, and I give him this number, and he finally hits one like online or target. That I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a kick in, and it lands just on the front fringe and spins down in the hazard, and he's like, hmm. how far do we have there? I'm like. Not what I told you. A little further than you hit it there, Chief. <laughs> it happens, so, okay? It, it happens. does, it does, dude. And you guys have to be like part sports psychologists out there too. Know when your guy's getting hot, how to handle them. So if each of your guys, if you notice them starting to get a little pissed off and they're getting hot under the collar and things like that, what's, how do you handle your guys? Is, are they rah-rah guys? Like, hey, let's go, let's go get them, buddy. Come on, champ. No. Or are you like, we need, I need to chill out. I'm going to walk about 10 yards in front or behind him and let him yeah. pull off. JT's not really a rah-rah guy, but I mean – He'll get mad and he'll just like get it out. It's not really mad at me. He's just mad if he's not playing good. And you just got to let him talk it out. And I usually don't say much because some of the, you know, how did this happen? How did this happen? And I got an answer. <laughs> but I guess, well, I'm just not going to say it. It's not the time to answer that question. Would you like my honest opinion <laughs> yeah. about this happening? So I just walk behind him and, and let him get it out. And he's usually fine. Um, you know, I've got. About two times a year, I think you can bring out the rah-rah with some of these guys. Like, I did one in Palm Springs. He was kind of being pouty, wasn't playing good. And I was like, look, I was like, I don't care if you shoot a million, but, like, let's have fun. Like, let's not be, like, down in the dumps all day. And he's like, you're right, you're right. And so, but if you overuse those, then yeah, they lose their effect. Yeah, you when to go to the well with that. So, what about, yeah. what about yeah. Joel? Joel sometimes was mumbling and yeah, he's very negative, and this sounds weird, but he almost responds better if I criticize him or if I make fun of him. Like, dude, that was terrible. You know? Yeah, like a little challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, you know, what he does really well, this is it's funny, I don't understand the golfer's mentality, but he could have a putt for $50,000, and I can make him a side bet for like three bucks on it, and all he's thinking about is that $3, like he wants to beat me. So... Uh, we do a lot of, you know, there's a center stripe on this hole. If you were within X amount of Mo stripes from the center, I'll bet you 20 bucks you can't get it within there. And, like, we'll do little games like that uh, amongst. Or so the $3 in, in is more than the 50 racks. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird. But uh, he responds to it really well. How's your, how's your game? I mean, what's your golfing background? Um, I went through the PGM program at the University of Idaho via Club Pro. Um, I'm okay. He qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am two yeah, years so ago. Yeah, you got game. I mean, That's I'm right. a, yeah, have you ever like, beat, respect. Have you ever beat Joel? <laughs> um, I have. I took Joel's course record from him at my home course. Oh, how did that That's go? That's real golf. It felt amazing. <laughs> <laughs> was he the first person you called? So oh, It was, actually. Yeah, yeah. I called Joel before I called my wife because Joel had it at 63, and I beat Oh, by 60, two. What? Room to okay, spare. so you have a lot of. Yeah, don't. Uh, well, don't just shoot stuff. 61. It was a good day. Well, so, yeah, I would hope so. Shit. Uh, that was the last time I played. I'm fairly confident in saying, Fleener, you've probably never beat your pro. Uh, When's no, your last 62? Not. The lowest I've ever shot in my life was 63, and that's when I was <laughs> playing like a lot, a lot. But I don't play a lot at all. I, would, I don't even play a little. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. You're chasing a record deal. You don't got much time to. You know, so 
a lot of people I don't think know like how the, the caddy life is out on the tour. I mean, you see the players, you know, in their net jets, putting it on Instagram, you know, staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Y'all maybe go a little different route. You know, don't not don't quite make the money as the PJ Tour know where plays. this is going. But Gino, <laughs> yeah. you're known as, you know, you're not scared to slum it maybe a few no, weeks. No, I'm not. If there's a shower and a bed, I'm okay. So give us your maybe worst experience. I know you like to do a lot of VRBOs. Or Verbo, whatever you want to call it. Before yeah. he starts. Okay. Yeah, chime in here. I love staying with Gino because we're very good friends. We have a great time together. But if he ever asks me, hey, I've got this spot for this week. Do you want to stay? I will never say yes right away. I'll be like, you're going to have to send it to me. I'm going to have to see it first. Because he'll if it saves him $7 for the week to stay in a dump, yeah. he'll do it. And, like, I just – that's an all-star, man. When we're different. I mean, I'm single and he has a family, so he's, you know, a little dollars. better with his money. <laughs> seven bucks. That's a Chipotle. Yeah. That's I a mean, meal, dude. So, yeah. preface what he's about to say about where he stays. I mean, we stayed in some pretty janky spots on the web tour, and uh, Puerto Rico was a exceptionally poor place one time. But, I mean, you're alluding to uh, the PGA Championship at Bethpage. <laughs> And, yeah, that was something else. So what had happened? You want me to tell the quick story? Yeah, no. That's what we're here for. We got all the time in the world. I I had been burned the year before. uh, Let's see. No. Where were we? Is it? uh, Sorry. Where was that? There was somewhere you checked into one time that didn't have beds. Yeah. Oh, so that was was at (laughs) Bethpage. So I went to Bethpage a couple years ago, and my Airbnb canceled on me when I got there. And I was so angry that I had to rebook a new place because I had a bunch of friends and family coming. So the only other place I could find was like $3,000 because out there on Long Island, there's nothing. That's a tough week, yeah. So I rent this house that's for sale and there's nothing in it. So I pay three grand and then I got to go to Walmart and buy a bunch of inflatable beds for everybody. And so, Real quick, so, but... The description, I imagine, was on the internet, and it just didn't mention uh, well, it, just, it. It was just like, well, uh, the the dude, it, it did say that, and then he messaged me and was like, I'll bring in a couple beds. So he brought in two and just like threw them on the floor, but I'm like, I need four more. Um, there was no table, uh, no plates or silverware or anything like that. Don't so be a diva, dude. We went and so got, there wasn't a flat screen either, I imagine. <laughs> there was not. There was no TV whatsoever. I did a, an episode of the Caddy Cribs that well, week. Caddy Cribs that is genius. Gold, so Fleener dude. actually came up with that. It was that. I used to do some of those when I was on the Latin tour. Uh, some of the places we would stay in were pretty special. That's um, gold. Y'all need yeah. to keep that. So keep that up. it was uh, that place that really burned me. So fast forward to uh, it was the U.S. Open at Wingfoot this year. I get there and I land at uh, Newark. And I get a message from my Airbnb host saying, sorry, we got to cancel your reservation. Your plate. Yep. And I'm like, you are, I already have this address. You are not canceling on me. I am going to be there in an hour and a half. And there's nothing you can do to stop me because like, I know where I'm going. And so I get the rental car and I start driving and she calls me and she's like, Gino, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm staying there this week. Like it was a good price and it was a perfect location. And she goes, Tell you what, she goes, give me 24 hours. You can stay there, but just not tonight. I'm like, she goes, I'll even pay for your hotel room. I'm like, well, okay, something clearly is going on. I appreciate club or something. Yeah, I appreciate the fact that she was trying to make it right. So I'm like, okay, look, I'll get my own hotel room. We'll take it off the 
uh, Airbnb fee for the week, and I'll see you tomorrow. He says, okay, great, thank you. So I had pulled over into a Shell gas station. I just Googled hotels near me, and the Mamaroneck Motor Inn <laughs> was like 0.7 miles. So I called him, and I said, yeah, do you have any vacancy tonight? He's like, yeah, we're good. I go, don't have any occupancy. How much? <laughs> he goes, 100 bucks. And I was like, does that include taxes and parking? He's like, yep, 100 bucks. Cash under okay. the table. <laughs> so I showed up yeah. and the it was one of those, you know, you just park it. It's a single story and there's just like 30 doors. And he's like, you're in door one. Maybe that's the VIP suite. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out it was not. Yeah, uh, very good. No, we actually was, had a murder just take place. Yeah, so our room opened up. That like, was you know? that was the worst place we'll I put had. Put you seen. down here where you can't see the police uh, sirens <laughs> right, going. Just, just walk your way under so, the yellow tape. Yeah, I recorded that video that I put on Twitter and uh, the it was funny because I think I tweeted it out, you know, in the evening on maybe Monday evening, and I show up to the golf course on Tuesday morning, and it was a hit. Apparently, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. those things are gold. Uh, and had I known it was going to explode, I probably would have focused on a few more things because I didn't really get into the shower, and the shower was incredible. <laughs> How was the water? Um, I I don't remember the water. It doesn't stand out in my mind. I had hot water, but the shower was tiled in black tile that were all like shattered, and there was pieces of the tile in the shower, and it was. I love the part of the story where you're like. It was all fun and games until like I put my phone down. Yeah, because like, people were messaging you on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, so and, like, it got so kind of got interactive. And then it's like, and then I shut it off. Shut. I was like, okay, it's like almost midnight. I gotta go to sleep and get up in the morning. I put the phone down and then I start like looking around. I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like my <laughs> TV. This isn't funny anymore. My TV wouldn't turn off all the way. I had this weird poltergeisty glow to it, and every time somebody would walk by my window, their shadow would like cast against my wall, and I was like. <laughs> that, yeah. and, and Joel told me that while we're on this subject, Joel told me to ask you about the one in, at Riviera this past year. Uh, let's see at Riv. Oh yeah, we stayed together, <laughs> me you and Flynn. Oh yeah, that was just. I mean, the place was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was just. It was cheap like and a very inconvenient. Sixty-three dollar parking ticket that week for parking. Which was more than the room. More than yeah. the room. Yeah. We, we had to. Sh the only way to access the building was a garage door opener, and the dude gave us one garage door opener for the three of us. So I'm like, okay, this isn't gonna work. How else can we get in the building? He's like, use the garage door opener. I'm like, there's three of us that are coming and going at separate times. He's like. Well, you need to figure out who's going to be there first and give it to them. And I didn't pay that ticket, by the way. Oh, man. oh you're on the roll. Oh, you're man. on the lamb right now? I didn't pay that ticket, by the way. Could be some warrants for me out in California. Actually, you know what? I bet Joel was talking about the year prior because uh, I moved out of a place due to rats. The year, uh, the year before at Riv, mm, awesome. I do remember maybe, that. Oh, maybe it was that one. So, yeah, I'm sure that's the one he was probably talking he about. He said Riviera. Yeah, that's that's the one he was talking about. Um, I found a place. It was like glamping. I didn't know what glamping was. Are you familiar with glamping? Glamorous camping. Yeah, apparently yeah. these got these little tiny trailers that they uh, they put in this Glamorous guy's backyard. Camping. Isn't that what it is? So uh, apparently, so I walk into this commune. And there's people like just watching TV hanging out in this house. And I walk in, I've got my suitcase and stuff, and nobody acknowledges that I'm there. I'm like, hey, hey, roomies. You guys know where I'm staying? 
And they're like, nope. So oh, I pull up my phone. I'm like, okay. And there's, so I go out in the backyard. It says, exit through the kitchen. Okay, exit through the kitchen. And then there's three campers and a tent back there. And I'm like, and it said I'm on the right. I'm like, oh, in the tent? So I unzip the tent. And there's this dude laying there. I'm like, nope, not that one. <laughs> See, Sorry, bud. You have to double check when Gino's like, I got a spot, man. I got so, a spot. I find, finally find the camper, and the space to get into the front door was so narrow, I couldn't get my suitcase into it. I had to, like, really, so I'm fairly thin, and I had to suck it in to like wedge myself over and get the door open. And I get in, and my lights were to turn on in the camper were only Christmas lights. And so I turned on my Christmas lights, and it was kind of cold that night, I remember. I had a sleeping bag, and I text my wife. I'm like, this place is something and the width of the camper was narrower than I am tall so I had to you know curl up in the fetal position a little bit but I slept okay I got up in the morning I went in back into the universal common shower area and there were so many empty shampoo and soap bottles piled in the bathtub I was like this isn't real so I started like cleaning up a little bit I'm like this is disgusting I probably threw 15 of them away that's no exaggeration I get out and it's early enough in the morning that there wasn't other people around so I get up get changed get in the car drive we play our practice run do our thing and Joel had just bought a trackman that week and asked me to go get him an iPad to go with his trackman so I went to the Apple store that afternoon and I go back and I'm sitting in this living room and I'm setting up the iPad and I see something move out of the corner of my eye and I look up and Master Splinter is walking across <laughs> the kitchen. And I was like, oh, oh so hell no. <laughs> so I, I kind of moved and he turned and ran back under the oven. And I went and got my shit and got out of there. It was bad. You're setting up your $25,000 track man for your boy. <laughs> you dunking rats in your hotel room. Exactly. Like, anything else I can do for you? What about the one, the other one where you stayed somewhere and you came out the next morning and the whole family was sleeping on the floor in the living room? Oh, <laughs> dude, you did some. This is like a one bedroom shit. place, and they're renting out the bedroom, and they. That's where I went on the floor. That's where I went after the rats. <laughs> oh, that was the upgrade. So that was an upgrade. Yeah. So now that y'all have won on the PGA tour, are you, I mean, are we staying in a little nicer places? I. Yes, but I don't like it. Like. I mean, I, I enjoy the places, but I'm like, I don't want to spend five hundred dollars this week. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I got us a place for Colonial that's like 600 each. It's nice. We both have our own bathroom, own bedroom. He's like, 600. <laughs> I'm like the 220 for the week, kind of. Seven nights for 220. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, for those of you that aren't very good at math, that's just over $30 a night. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that checks out. So I'm yeah, going yeah, to go on a limb and yeah, say you yeah. don't pay for Wi Fi on the airplane in Never between stops. In fact, I, got, I was coming here. It's funny you say that because the monthly Wi Fi subscription is $49.95. That's absurd. Like, for a month? How often do people fly, like, to make it worth $49.95? A lot less my, than you. My internet, <laughs> right? My internet at home is that expensive, and never mind. What I, percent I don't chance would you say you've stayed in a place where an actual murder has taken place? 
probably fairly high. Yeah, yeah. 75%. Yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> is a man, it's up there. this is a man that started a blanket ladder business <laughs> during COVID. Blanket ladder. I was like, called him one day. I'm like, Gino, I missed him. I was like, what have you been up to? He's like, well, I started making these blanket ladders. And if you don't know what that is, it's a ladder that you hang blankets on. <laughs> Pottery Genius. barn sells them yeah. for like they're high demand. How are you still counting? Well, right, one of my buddies at home, his wife wanted wanted one, and she knew I wasn't doing anything. I was semi handy. You guys she want like, one? Your guy. Have you taken this to Shark Tank? So, Cuban yeah, might want a yeah. piece of this. She was like, "Do you know? Do you think you can build this for me?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's easy." So I built one, and then her friend wanted one, and then her friend wanted one. So before you know it, I'm building like ten blanket ladders, and each one of them wants it stained a different color and a different size. Excuse Did me. Did y'all get nervous? With all this going <laughs> no, he, he might, might blow up. Leave me. If your blankets aren't good, hanging on the back of your couch, then get, get you a ladder. ladder. <laughs> yeah, that's get right. Get you a Gino ladder. Fleener, are you like that? You got any? You got to have some crazy places staying down in uh, Latin America tour. Um, Honduras was that was special. Yeah, that's we a- had to like <laughs> drive around like this little pond that I don't even know if it was a real pond or if it was just you know where a lot of water happened to gather. <laughs> Drainage is no I, good. the next week i was like my chest was like broken out i'm pretty sure there was bed bugs it was hot oh and uh but the great thing about honduras was one night they had these boxing matches and they had like 10 year olds fighting each other <laughs> yeah real fight and we're yeah. betting on this stuff i mean <laughs> girls are fighting each oh, other they like 10 year olds a couple of little people fought each other <laughs> i mean and we're throwing around money like crazy <laughs> I'll take the little kid with the teddy bear for 20. It was awesome. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Let's talk a little bit about your nickname because a lot of people call you the Big Cat. Yeah. Which there also might be another guy that plays golf, kind of known as the Big Cat, Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, Y'all got paired together. We did. Did you explain to him that you're the real Big Cat? I I didn't bring it up. (laughs) You let that one go? uh, Yeah. I didn't didn't talk to him that much. JT talked to him quite a bit, but uh, it was awesome. He was great. Uh, But, yeah, that nickname came from – Keith Mitchell and Harry Higgs, the year down on Latin America, they started calling me the Big Cat, and then it just caught on. And you guys don't know how it is with nicknames. Like, if you fight it, it's they're going to make it even worse. Yep. And so I just embraced it. I mean, and you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm big. big. And you're big. Yeah, I'm big. <laughs> cat. You like <laughs> milk? Makes oh. sense. It, just, <laughs> it fits, you know. Do you know you got a nickname? Uh, Keith Mitchell and Brandon Harkins start calling me Laser. Uh, I think it's kind of a dual purpose so i watched american gladiators all the time when i was a kid and i wanted i watched my wanted my name to be laser i thought laser was like the coolest word and name ever right so we went out to a taco joint one night and they asked me for the name for the order and i was like laser and so we're sitting there waiting for tacos and she's like laser and harkins and keith mitchell were like Wait, what? So I kind of told him. I was like, I always wanted my name to be Laser. So we did it at Starbucks one time too. I think I have the video. I like it. But Gino, I got to ask you this one. Um, I don't really know the whole story, but I'm just gonna go with it this way. Okay, has there ever been a time where all the bathrooms were full at your house and someone had to go outside? <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good segue from what's your nickname to yeah, tell us this story. I feel like these stories are all too long, though. I need to slow. like shorten it them. Doesn't up. It doesn't matter. This is the, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. I, I recently told it to another buddy. So it was Halloween morning and my wife was home. My son was off of school. He's seven. And we needed to go get some candy for kids coming that afternoon. And so the wife was like, let's go to Starbucks and grab a coffee and go to the store and run some errands. So perfect. We go to Starbucks, go to this grocery store, buy one of those five pound bags of candy. And 
we're running a couple errands and I look at my wife, I'm like, we need to go home now. Coffee's working. And she goes, agreed. Bridesmaid situation. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I literally was remodeling one of our bathrooms and the day before I had taken the toilet out. We had a three bathroom house and I took one out because I was tiling the floor. So now we were a two bathroom house. So I run in, I run downstairs, my wife goes upstairs. And after just a couple minutes, my son comes in and goes, mom, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she, shit, she, goes, she goes, go outside. So he's like, all right. So we back the story up a little further. We have a new golden retriever puppy at the time and he hadn't gotten his parvo shots yet. And my son knew that he couldn't eat uh, other dogs fe or feces. He could get parvo and die. So fast forward to present day. My son goes into the backyard. My wife thought he had to pee. He didn't have Number to pee. Two. He had to go deuce in the backyard. So apparently he's sitting there, pants around his ankles, just squatting in the backyard. And he does his thing. And then the puppy jumps on him, knocks him over into his feces. And he starts crying. And then the puppy starts eating the poop. And my little man thinks he's going to get parvo and die. So he's panicking. So he's wrestling with the puppy, digging the poop out of his mouth. Your son? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was you. I no. It was you too, no. Man. My son. So my all I hear, I'm still sitting there and I hear this blood-curdling scream and I'm like, "What is going on?" Like So like, man, Holly, you're really killing it yeah, out there. What is happening? <laughs> so he comes in and she's like, "Gino, you need to hurry up." And I'm like, what is happening? Leave me alone. You know, I'm this scrolling my, through Twitter right now. <laughs> checking my emails. So, finish up. I go out there and he's covered in poop. He's got poop all over his arms and his hands and he's bawling. I'm like, what happened? He goes, mom told me to go to the bathroom outside and then Looper ate my poop and he's going to get parvo and die. And so, I'm like laughing because it's pretty funny, but I'm still kind of grossed out. You know, I don't do that, deal with that stuff very well. And my wife took, my wife starts filming and my son gets even more pissed. And she's like, so you dug the poop out of his mouth? He goes, no, I choked him. And she goes, I choked it. Or excuse me. He said, I choked it out of him. So he grabbed the puppy's neck until the puppy couldn't breathe. And then he went, oh, and then he started digging the poop out of his mouth. That's a tough kid, dude. <laughs> right? He's going to save his life. So, yeah, that, uh. That's a hell of a... And we put them in the shower and... Yeah, how do you... What's the clean... I was thinking a hose maybe, but no. Yeah, well, just threw them right in the shower. And then later I go to the mow the backyard. Well, I had to go pick up my human... Dog poop and human child poop out of the backyard before I, before I mowed. And there's a dustpan sitting there that's kind of got some poop on it. So I go inside. I'm like, Hudson, why is there a dustpan with poop on it in the backyard? And he was like, I was trying to poop into the dustpan. <laughs> Of course, that's possible, yeah. You can't save their feet. I was going to clean that's it up. Awesome. Has, it, has it been spoken of with him ever since then? Um, we sh played the video of him saying, I choked it out of him <laughs> uh, the other day, and he heard that we were showing it to somebody, and he got mad. Okay, I won't that, bring it up. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one to talk. That might be a perfect time to jump into yes. our jock talk. So typically we end these shows with a little segment called E9. We're going to switch it up for you guys. We're going to call this jock talk right here, all right? So what we're going to do is we're gonna ask you some hypotheticals, okay? And you just tell us which of your players or any tour players or caddy 
is the most appropriate answer for the hypothetical situation. You with me? Yeah. You you'll get it. All right, You're more than welcome to use your players, but if you want to go to other players, you want to go to other categories. Right. If it's Depending perfect for you guys, say your guy. If it's for someone else and you're comfortable, you, you say that. very political here. Now, here we go. <laughs> I think you just... I'm a little nervous. Yeah, just like, we just <laughs> talked about a kid choking out a dog and getting shit out of his mouth. I mean, I feel like the I think it's going to be fine, guys. Yeah. Where are we going to... Have we crossed any lines? All right, I'll throw out the first one. You'll get it. All right, who's player in, or any player... Most likely to hit a shitty shot and blame the, the club on the caddy. Bo Hostler. Oh, yeah. Big hey, Bo. Quick response there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I love Bo. I can't wait to bring that up to him. I'm freezing. Nothing? I'm trying to think who's bad to their caddy. Bryson. <laughs> sure, Bryson. That could be the humidity, too. It could be a lot of things to play a role in that. All right, we got Bo and Bryson for that one. Okay. All right, that's good. Cool. Caddy to most likely oversleep in early morning tea time, whether it be from fun the night before or just oversleep. I almost did this one time. Really? This is pretty good. Uh, not from fun. I was so San Antonio, you know, every, I was staying with JT on site. And he got up for our morning tea time and left the room and didn't think to even like see if I was awake. I guess he just thought I heard him, which I didn't. So I wake up like 45 minutes before he's supposed to tee off. And I've got, I mean, I've got missed calls from him, whatever. I call him, I'm like, hey, he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in bed. Yeah. I was like, where I, are you just where I you? thought you would wake me up when you left so I could like get in the shower and stuff. And I was like, I mean, I'll be down there in a second. Like, and luckily, I was on site at least. Yeah. So I just like ran down the hill, <laughs> no shower, just <laughs> went oh. straight down there. And uh, I think shot another part of that day, so maybe I should do that more. Yeah, yeah. Man, I uh, I don't know if I'm coming up with a good. One. I'm trying to think of somebody who drinks way too much and is semi irresponsible. <laughs> Shouldn't be this hard. This is the place uh, to air it out, right? Ninety-nine percent of the few caddies that are yeah. nobody like listens a, to this, right? Zero. Say no, you're talking want. to air. Yeah. Uh, can I can I come back to it? All right, you can defer. All right, just I'll answer it. I just need I just don't have anybody. Comes to your yeah. Mind. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, hold on to that. We'll give you another one right now. Put all right, player it. most likely to utter the phrase "I suck" during a round. That was an easy one. Perfect. That's uh, probably five times per round. Yeah, those guys are always fun. He shoots sixty three and have five "I sucks" yeah. during the round. Yeah, yeah, he's got a high bar. Yeah, he does. Very high bar. All right. Player to most most likely to not pick up the dinner bill when he takes his cat when him and his caddy go to dinner. Ooh, um, somebody I know. I feel like sp split check with their caddy somewhere. <laughs> I don't recently. know. I feel like most players are really good about that. I agree, but I should know uh, if you've heard any yeah, stories. Yeah, no, I actually do. I'm trying to think of who it was. I thought everyone was like Matt Kuchar immediately. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was going to be like that's the, fair. The layup. Yeah. We'll just go there. Perfect. Matt Kuchar. Okay. Clean Player up, most likely to complain, always complain that they got the bad wave. <laughs> I think every player. Every dude. Yeah. Every week. Every guy that misses the cut. Oh, we got screwed by the wave. The weather killed us. I get it. <laughs> every player. I get it. Yeah. The whole career of it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you got it. That's yeah. what happened to you. Every time. Always limped out. He kept asking for the late, late. All right, Fleener, you're the singer. You're the lead singer of a band. Player most likely to be in your band. Maybe a backup singer. 
Uh, well, I've seen some videos of Van Ruin playing the guitar before. Eric Van Ruin, he can, wow. He really? can shred on the guitar. So oh. I can't play any instruments, so I need people that can play instruments. So I'll okay. go with Eric Van Ruin. And you're the face, clearly, so put him in the back somewhere yeah. with a mask. Maybe get, that the, Joe the Vandal. Mask. get Joe Vandal out. He could be your <laughs> guy. All right, next one. Player most likely to carry rain gear when there's a 0% chance of rain. Um... Not JT. I check that bag every day. <laughs> but Lon- Lonto's bag yeah, was Lonto heavy. Griffin. I kind of filled in for Lonto two weeks ago in New Orleans, and his, he has got the heaviest bag I've ever <laughs> picked came, up. We went to dinner. He's like, Lonto's bag is the heaviest thing. He I've ever walked out on life. Tuesday and he was like, I just took a lot of stuff out of the bag. It should be fine. And I picked it. Up, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I took my dumbbells out for you. I normally yeah. like to catch a set at the turn. Yeah. Yeah. What's the policy on that when you will carry if there's like. 10% chance, but beautiful. Well, I'll the, say this. If, if you decide not to carry it and it rains, yeah, that is dead. bad. <laughs> Tommy Armour always said, Tommy Armour the third. he's like, hey, the umbrella's part of the bag. Yeah, it goes a, everywhere. Always. I'm in. like, it's yeah. Palm Springs. It's 85. It hasn't rained here in 10 years. Yeah, I would say the bags, or the, excuse me, the umbrella is more of a requirement than the rain gear itself. Whenever we need the umbrella, we sometimes can't even find it. I'm like, we don't have one. <laughs> What's the most unnecessary item in both of your players carry in their bag that they rarely, if ever, use? Anything? I don't, I mean, I've, I'm telling you, I've scoured the bag. We might have like some old snacks in there or something that like have been in there for a while, but yeah. It's as light as possible. I will say it at players one day during the practice rounds, JT was like, check, see if we've got enough balls. You know, if not, go in the locker room and get some. And I, I pulled 18 balls out of this bag. I was like, <laughs> think we're good. Yeah, I think we got enough. And I gave like six of them away. That's I would say the we've got some random training aids that find their way into the bag and then stay there for a little too long that we don't really use. Um, the mirror is a useful one, but we'll go a few months without using it. So... I, th- I think there might be one in there yeah, now. Just start dumping those things yeah, pre-round. Oh, no. Get a new okay. one. Next one. Player or caddy most likely to have an adult beverage in their water bottle? Um, <laughs> interesting. I mean, John Daly. That was who I popped in first. I mean, Joel would be a very good response for that, but it's never, ha- it's never <laughs> happened. But, yeah, I mean, I would say most a lot of people would say Joel. Um, I, that would be a popular answer. Hey, you wouldn't even have it in his water bottle. I can see, a... I can see maybe Harry Higgs having a rough Thursday and having uh, that's a, a good l- answer. Have a little, a little, little something Tito's on Friday water in there. That's a very good answer. Mm-hmm. Got to stay hydrated. Yeah, I like that. Harry Higgs is a popular answer. Yeah. All right, here's one I'm interested in. Caddy most likely to remind everyone how he should be playing on tour instead of caddying. Brett Waldman. <laughs> I was going to say Der- Derek Smith, Denny McCarthy's caddy. Oh, really? Derek yeah. Smith, yeah. yeah I knew go. there'd be some quick ones. Uh, I mean, Derek's a really good player. I should be out here. Just if he lean closer to the mic to yeah. make sure he yeah, picked it up. Sure. You want to spell it? Hey, you Brett, spell it? This. this is going to be great. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Give a cell phone number. Yeah, I knew there'd be some for that one. All right. This one might be hard. I might get a no answer from both of you on this one, but current PGA Tour player, card-carrying PGA Tour player, most likely to end up caddying on the PGA Tour. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. I need to remind you at this point, this is when no one's listening. <laughs> this is the trust tree. It's just us, guys. You can say no answer. It's I just, just 
I just wanted to throw it out there to see if you had an opinion. Hmm. I mean, I probably like, do <laughs> have an opinion. No, but you want to do rhyming word with it? What if I, you know, let's, uh, imagine I'm a player. Who would I want to caddy for me? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not no, that. that's not really how this game not works. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to pass. Yeah, we'll pass on that one. Perfect. <laughs> okay. uh, all right, I got one. Caddy most likely to talk shit to their player after a bad shot. It might be. I mean, it could be. Uh, Derek Smith would be another good answer for that. <laughs> he sounds like a Danny, tough nugget. Danny, Danny's caddy. Um, I don't necessarily. I think the better the player, the, the caddy is, the yeah. more likely he is to criticize. I mean, when JT hits a bad shot, I'm like, yeah, it was a really hard shot. <laughs> no one can hit that. Dude. I couldn't have done that. <laughs> no one can hit nine iron on the green from. No. Well, it's funny because I, before, during every single round, I play a full round. Yeah. So that. This is beca- this has became kind of a thing. So Max comes up to me all the time. He's like, Gina, what'd you shoot today? And I'm always like, I might make one bogey per tournament or something. But I'm like, I sh- yeah, I had a good, I had an okay day. You know, I shot 67 out there today. You know, finish his top 10 every yeah. day. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a machine. So then Griner comes up during the Zurich and he's like, hey, what are you and I shooting the alternate shot today? And I'm like, hang on. And I went through every hole and every shot. And I'm like, we shot four under. Good plan. Like, yeah, great like, plan. Man, that's a hell of a day. All right, last one. Yeah. Caddy you would least like to share a room with for the week, and I'm pretty sure it might be you after yeah, what we've heard. Yeah, probably a popular answer for yeah. that one, unfortunately. I, you're up there because you're I, snoring. Well, I was going to go with uh, – I stayed with Dewey before. <laughs> Kevin Kisner's guy. guy. Boy, he can saw him. And he you cannot beat him to sleep. When he decides it's time to go to sleep, that man is asleep in two and a half minutes. And he is snoring, and it's just like you're in no man's land. You're like, oh, what am I going to do now? Like, yeah, it's, it's over. Uh, uh, I don't know awesome. if I've ever had an experience where I'm like, I really dislike staying with that person. Because oh, no one will stay with you. Yeah, it's probably true. In the tent. Yeah. In the, in the, there's only room in the, the tent, tent for one. Yeah. With the family. Yeah, yeah, the glamping. When I worked the Latin tour, Kent and I had to stay together every week because he had a sponsor that paid for everything. And so we would try to race to go to sleep at night because we both snore. Oh my God. But a trick we learned was if one person's asleep and snoring, if you pick the phone up and slam it down, <laughs> the other person will wake up, but they won't know why they woke up. And then you've got about five minutes there. <laughs> you've got to hurry up and get a little bit of a buffer. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been awesome. We yeah. appreciate it very hey, much. Are we not going to do the movie character? Oh, you yeah. Wanna, you okay. want to do it? You got you one in mind? I love that. I think I thought about this because I know you guys usually ask this. And I would go Chris Pratt during during his Parks and Rec days when he was a little, you know, he had a little extra on him. A little more full figure. Not the Chris Pratt now. It's like Rip. But, yeah. I, funny I Chris like Pratt. Yeah. He had Parks a beard. He was kind of chubby, funny. He probably Kinda can't stupid. sing like you, though. I don't know. There's no chance. You got anything, Gina? Gina? You got someone? Oh, Mr. Clean. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Whoever that guy is. He works. All right. Fl- well, like I said, this has been awesome. Fleener, maybe send us out with a little, little something real quick. Girl, you know I've been on you forever. How many nights have we hung out together? Same little crowd, little bar, little town around this old dance floor. Incredible. God, take that it. is so fantastic. Take it off. <laughs> Guys, this has been great. Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> awesome, dude. Please, that was so much fun. I mean, I don't know if I've laughed that hard during an episode since Mike Commodore. Dude, there's so many good stories in the caddy world out there. It's kind of like the Jicky Jack stories. Like, they're living a totally different life. It's fun. And it's a great job to have, especially if you got a player that's playing well. But, like, 
I mean, Gino, Joel plays great. You know, he's he's doing really well. He's a winner on tour now. I think I think Joel could win the next five events on tour, and Gino is still going to be staying in some of these raggedy dumps that he stays in doing these uh you know caddy cribs and things like that i mean caddy cribs is phenomenal so good and, i mean for for the non-math people out there let's just break this down he says he doesn't like spending over 220 to 240 dollars a week okay most pj tour players spend more than that a night at their hotel so just imagine he's there for six days during the week he's looking to spend less than 40 dollars a night i have no idea where you find these places but they have to be just terrifying as he described there's a reason he had to travel with a frying pan and, and cook his own meals for a while. You're trying to you're yeah. trying to go on forty bucks. That ain't that didn't go too far. But like I said, I think even if the, if Joel starts winning majors, I don't think you're ever going to see Gino staying at the Ritz or doing any of that. That's just what he's like. And and Fleener, Poston may need to look out. That boy's coming for a record deal here pretty soon. Those those pipes yeah. are the real deal. He can bring it, man. It is so fun. Like going out in Nashville with him, stopping at you know, these karaoke bars and stuff. I mean, he gets up there and people are like, oh my God, who is that? Like, you're a caddy? You should be singing somewhere. It's, it's, it really is. It's really fun to see what I mean, bring it. Yeah, the man has got some pipes. And I thought Jock Talk at the end of that one in replacement of E9, that was some of the best stuff ever. Talking about, all right, which player is most likely to do this? Which caddy is most likely to do that? I love that. We got some quick unanimous answers and then we had some thinkers too. Uh, but that's that segment's great. Whenever we do this again, we'll definitely have to bring that back because you get some real inside scoop there. Yeah, well, you get to be a jock this week. Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial, your old stomping grounds. You're going to be on the bag for Wyndham Clark. How nervous are you? Man, I'm not nervous. He should be nervous. I mean, if he doesn't perform, here's it. I'm going to be I'm going to become a real caddy this week. If we play well, it's we. And if he plays bad, it's him. I'm going to take all the credit. I'm going to do everything I can, coach him up. I mean, and I will accept none of the bad stuff. If we don't play well, I'm going to put it all on Wyndham, just like a normal caddy does. But this will be fun. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, known Wyndham since he was a little pup. Colt, you know, basically raised the kid since he came out of the womb, showed him how to play and how to golf. So this will be like a little father-son stroll around Colonial for the week. And uh, you'll be down there. We'll have to grab a couple. And uh, it's going to be a fun week, dude. Been looking forward to it for a while. If you don't get Wyndham Clark any penalty strokes, it'll be a miracle. I've, I've been talking with his real caddy, John Ellis, about it for a while. He's like, oh, it's great that fans are back because normally the way Wyndham hits driver, you get to meet so many new people every day. <laughs> He's like, you'll probably run into some <laughs> of your old friends. You meet so many and people. You, listen, if he hits in the bunker too, you have to put some effort into the rake. Like PJ Tour players expect a perfect rake job. I know. I'm used to sabotaging the group behind me with just a complete dog shit great job on the mini tours because I knew someone would hit in there right after me. I have to be a little more on my P's and Q's this week and tighten up that bunker game just a, yeah, you just definitely, a smidge. You might want to go over the do's and don'ts of caddying. You know, you got you got to know when you got to grab the pin, when you hand it off to other caddies, stuff like that. So just be on your toes. Don't embarrass us out there because we are a team. Okay, I expect a good performance. Don't go out there and miss the cut because that's just that we can't have that. Hey, dude, if we miss the cut, it ain't going to be for lack of trying with, with the sleaze, dude. I'm going to get my guy's mind ready. I know how this horse operates. He's a guy you got to pet a little bit. You can't be giving him the spurs. He likes to be told how good he is, how great he looks. Wow, you're so your swing's so good, all that. So I know all the psychology traits for Dub. We'll go out there. We're going we're gonna to put on a show. We're going to put on a show. Hopefully get paired with Phil. I think we're going to put us with Phil, get the two marquee names out there at the same time. Big time stuff. All right. Well, let's get to our picks for the week. Last week. Not our best in the major. Producer Mark, what we got? Yeah, 
Being that it was the PGA Championship, you guys went with two big dogs. Sleaze with Jordan Spieth with a T30. Colt had Rory McIlroy, T49. Basically 60 to 25,000, closing the lead down to $311,998. Nothing in it. No change there. Both disappointed in our boys this week. Jordan, I thought, was really going to make a move on Sunday after Saturday. Didn't quite happen. And Rory... After beating that place up, couldn't seem to play the par fives at all, which, I mean, he should eat. I think he made eight bogeys on the par fives. Eight sixes. Weird. I mean, that's just – he bogeyed half of them. It's unbelievable. But, hey, I thought in this week, Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. Very interested to see. You have the honor. Are you going to back yourself? No. Hard short. Hard <laughs> short on us. <laughs> Hard short on us. That's no dis- no disrespect to me. I'm very confident in my oh, abilities. But, Wyndham, you never know. to you and Wyndham. By the way, Wyndham had a little uh, happening on the course on Sunday with Ellis. We had a little talk about that, a little uh, emotional flare-up, if you will. So uh, we're going to have to tighten that up going into the week. But I am going with Colin Morikawa for my pick this week. 14-1, to 1, Colonial. You know the place. I know it. Driver accuracy, just accuracy off the tee, iron play, wedges. I mean, who better in the world than with the irons in their hand than Colin Morikawa? He was eighth last week at Kiowa, hit it incredible, didn't put it so hot. Seventh at Harbortown earlier this year, which is a golf course that's pretty comparable, I guess, if you're looking for one, and runner-up last year to Daniel Berger. So I'm going to go with the, the ball-striking machine, Colin Morikawa, this week, 14-1. to 1. Yeah, lost in the playoff last year to Daniel Berger by missing a short putt, but that putter mm-hmm. was cold for him last week. I believe one round he made – 36 feet of putts. I mean, just tapping in. Just tapping in on every there hole. And he finished eighth, so yeah. pretty cool. I'm going to go with a great iron player as well, a man who's due to get his first victory. I mean, it's it's coming. The man shot 65 Sunday at Kiowa, was home before the television coverage was off. I was like, uh, Abe, you might want to come back. You might be in a playoff if things get really weird out there. But Abraham answered, the guy is just due to, to hoist a trophy soon. Might as well do it in his home state of Texas. This place sets up perfectly for Abe answer. Could not agree more. Great pick for a guy that's coming off the best round of the week at Kiowa. And uh, if he does it, that Fletcher Azul is going to be popping because this thing is uh, is coming soon for him. So can't knock that pick at all. Uh, it's time for us to shape up, start picking some winners here on this show. I totally agree with you on that. But I'll tell you what, bring your bring your rain boots, bring all your clothes you don't like because it is might need a dude to get around this week. It has not stopped raining for quite a while. I'm here right now. It's raining again, so we might lose. You, hey, you look at it this way: walking in that soft grass, you might bulk those calves up a little bit. That's true. They could use a little. They could use a little more girth, a little more width. If I'm being honest, but of course, I get the one week on the bag, and it's dumping rain. I'm gonna have to carry that freaking rain gear around every single day. The bag's gonna weigh a hundred pounds. I carried it for a couple holes out there at Quail Hollow when I was with you, Colt. It already weighed a hundred, and it was eighty and sunny and zero percent chance of rain. So. The, the the kids needs to bulk up a little bit, but I'll be coming back in better shape than I'm going down there in. Well, best of luck to you. Like I said, don't embarrass us. But Can't promise. I cannot week. promise anything in that regard. There's a very good chance I'll do something stupid. If you're out there following us around, come over and talk to me, please. Let's let's try to let's. I'll well, I'll I'll name drop the show if you're if you're afraid of it since you're a corporate guy. If I'm following you, that means you're playing well. That's all I can say. They ain't gonna put me out there unless you're unless you're doing something special. So I can't wait to see it. I'm going to be here. Don't miss your flight. Don't show up late. Just be on time. Do your job and get out. Just like this. We're going to get out. This is, this is the end of this episode. But next week, we got a big one. Our man, the X-Man, Xander Shoffley, joins us on Golf Subpar. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>